But hey everyone, welcome back to another video. I know today's video is a little later than usual, but I'm here nonetheless. Before we begin on the stories, I wanted to mention a trigger warning for story number 5. There's a small brief mention of sexual assault in that story, so if you want to avoid it, now you know. All that being said, be sure to send your stories to southerncannibal.com if you want to share it here on the channel. But without further ado, let's begin. If you spend enough nights camping, weird things will happen. A couple of years ago, two buddies and I did a month plus long road trip around the US. We would camp in the US Forest Service or Bureau of Land Management areas and we were driving my pickup truck so we could get back in some fairly deep wilderness on forest roads. After about 15 nights on the road, we ended up in some BLM land near Black Canyon of the Gunnison National Park in Colorado. It was our last night in Colorado, and we were really exhausted from doing a 14er earlier that morning. We found the coordinates of a campsite online, and we had arrived at the edge of the pavement at about 6 p.m. Up ahead of us was a dusty two-track lane that had snaked through scraggly trees and brush and made its way to the top of a hill that had views of snow-capped peaks. We hadn't passed a car in a long time. Our truck makes it to the side easily, but none of us got out yet. We sit aside and we look around. There's a fire pit, lots of trees, but also an abandoned couch and some other signs of human waste. Not great vibes, but it's getting late and we aren't really keen on the idea of driving more. We all hop out and start walking around, cautiously approaching some garbage bags wrapped in duct tape. This seems like a place we would find a body, I say to my friends. They agree. We notice a trail that seems to go in a circle around the top of the hill, so we decide to check it out before we commit to staying. We find more trash and more human waste, but nothing that really makes us feel like we should leave yet. We decide to cowboy camp, which is sleeping on a tarp beneath the stars, and we have a nice fire going. We finish off a case of beer, but even with the inebriation, we still feel uneasy. Every couple of minutes, one of us will shine a light into the woods, thinking we heard something. Even though this is our 20th consecutive night sleeping outside, it doesn't feel right, but it is late, so we start getting ready for bed. We're all carrying bear spray and headlamps. So I step into the woods to pee and I walk about 15 feet without turning on my light. As I'm standing there peeing, I decide I should turn on my headlamp since the fire messed up my night vision. When I then see what the beam of light illuminates, my knees nearly buckle. My jaw is dropped. I just stand there in silence for about 10 seconds before calling out to my friends. Guys, do you see this? In the center of my beam is a bunch of bleach bones wrapped in barbed wire, hanging from a branch directly above the trail that we had walked in the daylight. Now, we would have certainly noticed them in the daylight. They must have been hung once it got dark, while we sat only 25 feet away from this. The general consensus among us was, Nah, fuck that. So we snapped a couple of photos of it before throwing our stuff in the park and hopping in the trunk. We drive a little a ways up the road to a national park campground, and I never felt so happy to pay $25 and have neighbors nearby. Whoever put those up during the night, I definitely don't want to meet you. 
My hypothesis is that a rancher with a grazing lease put up the bones to scare off the scum that leave all their trash at the campsites. They're probably cow bones, but it still scared the hell out of me and my friends. I wasn't really sure about sharing this story. It still gives me shivers every time I think about what happened. This happened in the Amazonas, in the border between Brazil and Peru. The jungle is an amazing place to live. Everyone knew each other, and I had a big group of friends of different ages. The only horrible part of the Amazon is the existence of terrorist groups that try to control the region. I was seven years old when this happened. Every kid in the village knew we had the freedom to go anywhere, just as long as it's not close to the terrorists, and we could never leave the village at night. My parents taught me since I was very little how to hide in case something like this happens, and to run if I see something will get dangerous. I remember all the adults of the village were celebrating something. I think it was an Amazonian party like Halloween. I remember my mother painting her face in a tribal way, and all of the children went together to a house to stay safe and have fun. The eldest girl was in charge. She was 17 years old, and as soon as all of our parents left, she just ignored us and left with her friends. Our closest group consisted of about six children. I was the youngest one, and we all listened to the most adventurous one, Leon, who was about 14. Whatever Leon said, we always followed, because he was fun, always making challenges, and he knew how to take care of us. Yes, despite him being reckless, he was our friend. We loved him, and we knew he would never abandon us if something happened. After playing soccer and eating, the six of us had become bored. Carla, one of the six, had the idea to dress up like our parents did, with tribal makeup and dresses. We agreed, and soon we all dressed up like the kids who lived in the village of the deepest regions of the Amazon. I remember us playing around until Leon said, and I quote, Let's explore the Amazon and find a hidden treasure. We all cheered and agreed to leave. It was pretty easy to escape, since the girl who was supposed to take care of us had left us. Leon managed to find a lantern, and a big boat enough for us six, and we all agreed to sail. It was around midnight, but we didn't care. I want you all to imagine six kids dressed up on a boat, splashing water everywhere, and trying to find an imaginary treasure. No phones, no adults, just the jungle and us. It was life at its purest. Everything seemed to be perfect, until we then heard people calling. Who's there? And we saw a lighted boat approaching. Quickly, Leon dropped the lantern, and he instructed us to lay down on the boat's floor and stay very still. It was one of the scariest moments in my life. I remember very clearly how we were all with our bellies up against the floor, grabbing our hands and not even daring to breathe. But it was too late. Stop hiding. I see you. A voice said as the guy illuminated our boat. We stood up, and I saw about four men with guns pointing at us. They all just laughed and said, it's a bunch of children. Leon put himself in front and he said we were in a hurry because our parents were expecting us home. The biggest guy who had a red bandana on laughed and said, Little kids shouldn't be here alone at night. You could disappear in the jungle and no one would ever find you. At this point, I was super scared and Carla started crying. You can go. You're just tribe hua, which in our language means baby. They then left after that. I remember us all hugging each other, crying and sailing as fast as we could. 
Once we got home, we entered the house and we closed all the doors and windows. We all slept together on the floor, but before we did that, we all agreed not to tell anyone in the village, not the elders, and certainly not our parents. Even now to this day, no one knows what happened that night. Years later, I had finally understood why they let us go. They thought we were kids from the local tribe. We had no value to them. If they had known we were from the village I'm from, I probably wouldn't be typing this story. I grew up in Ohio in the 70s, and me and my childhood friend Joe were outside all the time, but we could manage it. Joe lived on a farm that bordered a pretty big forest, and my parents would drop me off in the morning and would stay in the woods all weekend long. We'd only come out for school. We really loved pretending we were frontiersmen. We would build shelters, traps, practice making fire with sticks, the whole nine yards. When we got to be in high school, we got this notion to pull a stand by me. This was based on the movie and book by Stephen King that had just come out at the time. The idea was that we'd walk on the railroad tracks out in the country, but instead of looking for a dead body, we'd find cool bridges to fish from and camp a little ways off the tracks. Of course, we knew this was dangerous and we'd likely be trespassing, but we were kids. We had a lot of fun. We did find beautiful rivers and we had discovered bridges that no one went to. We fished and we hid from trains. At night, we camped in the woods just near the tracks and made small hidden fires. Nothing bad ever happened. It was idyllic. In fact, it was so fun, we did it multiple times. Never had a problem. Well, after high school, me and Joe went our own ways. We both left home, but we always stay in touch and always try to coordinate visits so we'd see each other occasionally. Well, one summer in the mid-90s, it worked out that we were both in town for about a week. We'd do stuff with family in the day, and at night we'd either catch drinks at a bar or sit outside Joe's house around a fire and talk about the good old days. One night me and Joe got to talking about our stand-by-me trips. Well, nostalgia and beer are a hell of a mix. Soon, we decided to take a day, walk the trails, camp one night, and walk back home. Well, the day came, and we started out early morning. We had my wife drop us off in our old spot where we used to start at, which was right outside our hometown. She thought this was absolutely crazy and made sure to mention it. When she pulled away, Joe had suggested that instead of walking the usual route, we take the opposite direction just to be adventurous. We knew the land well and we had made a map. So I gave a, you know man, what the hell? And off we set. The day went fine. It was fun and a little sad, but in a good way. We found a bridge and we sat on the edge, smoked a joint, and then moved on. We had no fishing gear, but we had brought some canned food and some other stuff. Before night started to set in, we had picked a spot to camp at. It was a really thick and forest area. Trees on every side of the train tracks, so you felt like you were in a tunnel. We had brought small hammocks to sleep on, but before we set them up, we decided to do a little scouting of the perimeter. Now, this is what we used to do in the old days too. We'd walk around the area a little bit just to make sure some dude's house wasn't just over a hill and we were actually camping in their yard or something. We'd walk maybe a hundred or so feet into the woods and up a small incline. We figured if we didn't see anything from on top of this short hill, we'd be fine. But when we got to the top, 
we saw an old building down at the bottom, about a hundred yards into the woods. It was barely visible. We had kind of pondered over what to do. We both just assumed it was a sugar shack or something, because there didn't appear to be a clear road into it. From where we were, there didn't look to be anyone in it either. All was quiet, no movement could be seen, and no lights. We decided to walk a little closer just to make sure. We came down the small hill very slowly, and as we neared the building we saw, it wasn't a sugar shack at all. It was an old church. It looked like it had been abandoned for years. It was a squat, sagging building whose wooden planks were almost black from years of moss and rot. There was a cross that stood on the top of the place, also weathered black. None of the windows had glass, and there were no doors, just open doorways. We got close enough to see inside. There were rows of pews, and a built-up section in front for a preacher to stand on. We didn't go all the way in. We didn't want to. Beyond all that, there was no sign of anyone else. No footprints, no paths, no roads, nothing. It was an abandoned church. We left immediately, and we went back up the hill to our spot that we had picked to camp at. Having a hill between us and the church made us feel better, but we were still a little uneasy. We just chalked it up to the natural creepiness seeing a church in the middle of the woods would elicit. Besides, at this point it was dusk, and we just decided to rig up our hammocks and then go to sleep and move on at early morning. Night set in, and as we laid in our hammocks and shot the shit, we began to hear something in the direction of the church. Our conversation about it went a little like this. Do you hear that? What the fuck is that? It sounds like people singing. And it did sound just like singing. We both slid right out of our hammocks and hunkered down, straining to hear more. We listened for a minute or two, and the singing continued, but it wasn't getting louder. Finally, we decided to creep back up the hill and see if we could spy where the sound was coming from. We could still move very quietly in the woods from the old days. It was second nature to us. The moon was barely out, but it provided enough light so you wouldn't walk right into a tree. But it was near pitch black. We didn't use flashlights as we crept slowly up the hill, and we didn't talk. When we got up to the top, we had saw light in the distance. It was coming from the church, and the singing was coming from inside. Joe and I put our heads close together and had a hushed conversation that boiled down to, Can you believe this shit? The light looked to be candlelight from the way it flickered. Although we tried, we couldn't make out what was being sung. It sounded like church music, but in another language. We sat and watched for a while, trying to see who was in there, but we only really saw occasional shadows. We had no intention of getting closer either. We had about a football field length in between us, and we aimed to keep it that way. The singing continued for a bit, and then it stopped. After that, a booming male voice began to chant. Now, I was already freaked out, but this voice thoroughly scared the shit out of me. It sounded like some Old Testament preacher that you see in the movies. But again, it was like he was speaking in a totally different language because we couldn't understand a single word. It eventually got to where the single male voice would say something, and then a bunch of other voices would then answer in song. This lasted for a while, and then they all broke into this long sustained wail that just kept getting louder. It got so loud and so disturbing that I actually covered my ears. Then it stopped, 
At this point, I was just getting ready to say, Dude, let's get the fuck out of here. When Joe put a hand on my shoulder and then hissed, They're coming out. We were far enough away that we couldn't make them out really well. But what we could see was a line of figures walk out of the open doorway, all holding hands in a single file. We could see some of them had flashlights. They began to sing again, and then the light from the flashlights began to move towards us in the hill. We booked it back down to our campsite, grabbed all of our shit, and ran to the tracks. Once there, we ran down the tracks in the same direction we had come from. After a few minutes, we stopped and looked back, and we saw lights coming down the hill. They were moving erratically like whoever was holding them was shaking them. We continued to run in spurts and walk as fast as we could. We eventually stopped seeing the lights and we came to a road. By our map, we knew that a small town was about 15 minutes down from us and we walked there. We got to a 24-hour gas station and called my wife to come get us. My wife and other friends all just thought it was kids messing around, but we heard those voices and they sure as hell didn't sound like kids to me. Not sure who those people were, but it was absolutely the creepiest thing that had ever happened to me out in the woods. I was living in a city in Canada, born and raised there. I had to walk about a block and a half to my bus stop every morning, where on a typical day, my friends Casey and Emily would be. On occasion, we would get the guys that would miss their bus and walk to our bus stop instead. Since it was closest to the school and the last bus stop of the morning, one of the guys that would show up on occasion was a guy named Ron and sometimes his friend Tim. Ron took a liking to me and he immediately started showing up to my stop every day. I didn't have a very long walk home from the bus stop, but I started to feel really uncomfortable. I changed it up and I started walking home from school instead. The problem with this, though, was the most direct route led straight through the woods. Seniors used to go into them and party a lot, which you could tell by the large amount of beer bottles and all the beer cans all over the forest. One day, while walking through the woods, I hear twigs snapping behind me. I thought it was a deer at first, and I kept going. The snapping continued and got closer. I looked back, and the twig stopped snapping, and no one was there. I started running instead. I eventually made it home and I locked my front door. I kept my parents in the loop of the entirety of this ordeal by the way, so they were quite aware of what was going on. The next day, I decided to take the bus again. Ron shows up at my stop again and I try to ignore him. He gets on the bus and sits directly behind me. I finally just snapped and I yelled at him. Look Ron, I have a fucking boyfriend, please leave me alone. He asks what his name is, and I lie. The first name I could think of was Paul. Unfortunately, there happened to be a Paul at my bus stop. It was someone I didn't even know or had ever even talked to before. I came home and everything seemed fine. Well, the next morning, I start walking to the bus stop, and I see Ron and Tim there, now cornering Paul with a hunting knife. I started to run, but Ron caught up to me, holding me down and putting the knife against my throat. I must have had angels looking out for me because the bus rounded the corner as soon as he did that. He let me up and started walking back to the bus stop. I ran for my house again, except this time I was successful. I immediately told my mom and she called the police. They took a statement from Paul at school and me at my house. 
They searched both the walkers of Ron and Tim, and both of them were expelled. My mom insisted that I spend a year in the U.S. with my aunt, which I did, but I still feel really uncomfortable walking anywhere by myself to this day. I was around 12 to 13 years old when this all happened, but I don't really remember the date. Every year, my parents would always send me to a summer camp lost in the mountains, where there's a lot of mountain activities, like hiking, exploring the forests, etc. Now, I live in France, and I don't know how summer camps elsewhere work, but the way it works here is age groups. There were three groups. The blue one, which is the younger, the yellow one, which is the medium, and the green one, which is the oldest. I was supposed to go in the yellow group because I was still too young, but for some reason, I got brought into the green group, which was composed of people that were around 16 and even 17. Pretty much everyone in that group hated me for being really young and childish. One day that I remember was one of the last days. The instructors that were keeping an eye on us brought us to the deepest spot of the forest to have a picnic. After we were done with the picnic, they had looked at us and asked if we wanted to play hide and seek. Everyone was probably too old for that, but we still did it to which most even refused to hide. I was a kid, and of course I was pretty excited, and when they started counting, I ran as fast as I could to a place super far away where they wouldn't find me. There was a really small river, and I jumped over it. After some steps, I felt a hand catching my hairs very violently. I tried to turn myself back, but the hand just slips to my neck, and I had felt it catch really high on the other side of whoever this person's hand was. I was terrified, and I tried to fight back and to resist, but the hand that was restraining me was the one of a grown man with lots of strength. I then started screaming at the top of my lungs. I had never screamed that loud before, but seemingly, nobody even heard me. As the guy started talking while dragging me to the forest, he was completely mad and just kept repeating, You'll see. I'll hurt you so fucking much you'll cry and scream even more. I remember him talking about harming me, as well as raping me. I was just 13. I was so fucking terrified. I've never lived through any kind of physical abuse. Not being hit, nothing sexual, nothing that was more than words. He dragged me further into the forest and I just kept screaming and hitting him until at some point, I had found a way to bite his hand with all of the strength of my jaw. He screamed from the pain and then said, You're fucking crazy. It's then when he got hurt enough that his arm retracted and I managed to escape. I then turned back and made the sprint of my life. I think the guy must have lost interest in me or something because he didn't run after me. I jumped back over the river and found one of my only friends there in the camp. I just kept running now and I'm honestly not even sure if she saw the thing that happened or if she just ignored it. I went to the camp leaders but I was way too terrified to do anything or even tell them about it so I didn't. I don't know if it was someone from the camp or a total stranger. I didn't even see his head, his skin, or the clothes he was wearing. Nothing. I was just way too terrified to even pay attention to that stuff. The same night this all happened, I called my parents, but they weren't able to come get me right away. I had to just go back home in a bus like everyone else. What terrified me the most was the guy could be one of the people in the same group as me. He could have just hit me in my sleep and dragged me somewhere. I mean, he's most likely not, but I guess it is a possibility. So yeah, I don't know who that guy was, and I never want to know more.
It was a Sunday, early in the morning. I live in the suburbs, but my parents own a farm that I really enjoy going to because I get to see my dog. Her name is Molly. She's a mutt, but she's not a tiny dog by any means. At the time, I felt very safe around her, and I would often take her for walks in the forest that was nearby. The day had started off like any other. Me and my dad got in the car, drove around for a while, and arrived at the farm. I immediately got out of the car and hugged on Molly. My parents would always get kind of annoyed when I hugged her, since I'd smell like a dog for the rest of the day. But I then put her on a leash and I'd ask my dad if I could take her for a walk for a while. I think he always thought that we would just go down the road and back. But I always found it more interesting to take her to the forest. I always felt a certain kind of peace and relaxation there that was really unmatched by anything else. So we took a turn and headed to the forest. Usually when we got there, I'd take her leash off so she could explore on her own. Most of the time there, I'd carve my name into the trees and look for anything interesting. I was playing some baseball with some old rocks and a wooden leg, presumably from an old table. Then I heard it. Molly was barking at something. This wasn't unusual when we were in the forest. I thought it might have been a fox or some other animal, so I quickly grabbed the wooden leg like a weapon. I knew that if it was a fox, it wouldn't attack but I had a sense of security while I was holding it. I then called out, Molly, Molly, get over here. But she just kept barking. This was very strange for me, since she always came to me when I called her. I followed the sound of her barks and stumbled across a scene that I'll never forget. There was a man, probably in his late 50s, half naked, carrying a large machete in one hand and holding moonshine in the other. This was the first time I'd ever stumbled across someone in the woods let alone someone half-naked carrying a big-ass machete. He was completely ignoring Molly and hacking away at the ground for some reason. I didn't really know how to handle the situation. Even now, I have no idea how I would handle it. Sir, are you okay? I asked in confusion. I don't think I understood the seriousness of the situation at the time. The man turned around, revealing his face. He had some of the clearest blue eyes that I've ever seen to this day. I could see them so well because they were wide open. Come here, boy. Why don't you take a look at what I've dug up? I was really afraid that if I didn't listen to him, he would start chasing after me, and that was something I wanted to avoid at all costs. I got closer, but kept a good distance. I didn't really see anything except for an empty hole. He returned hitting the ground with the machete, occasionally taking sips from the bottle. I used this window of time to get my dog and started walking away really slowly as to not notify him that I was leaving, but then I took one final glance at the man. His head was dug deep into the hole. I was intrigued, so I kept looking. I know, stupid of me. He finally got up from the ground and I was absolutely shocked when I saw him carrying a bone in his mouth. I have no idea what animal it belonged to, if it even did belong to an animal. I had seen enough at this point and started sprinting with my dog. As we ran, I had heard him laughing, and I then saw something flying from the corner of my eye. It was that damn machete. I then heard him yell, Damn it! And this made me run even faster. I know the forest very well, so I wasn't really afraid of getting lost. I ripped through all the branches and bushes until I got out of the forest, but I didn't stop sprinting until I arrived at the garage where my father was testing out lights for our tractor. I didn't tell him a single thing about the man or what had happened in the forest, 
since I was afraid that he'd get angry and wouldn't allow me to walk Molly anymore. Needles to say, I never went to that forest alone again. I still can't believe I encountered a naked old man with a machete and a bone in his mouth. Crazy as hell, and hopefully I don't encounter him again. <laughs>